pray together. God, we are so thankful, we are so joyful that Jesus came and the, the circumstances of his coming were so humble, God, yet from small things we have a king. God, we claim Jesus as our king this morning. And I know, Father, that there are some people here who just don't have a lot of reason earthly to be joyful. So, Father, I pray that as we are this morning, that your spirit would reach down and God, that it would change us from what we are right now because you are faithful and in the blood of Jesus, it changes people. And so I pray that on every soul here this morning, even our kids, Father, especially our kids. God, that your spirit would just overwhelm their hearts this morning in joy because joy has nothing to do with our circumstances. Joy has to do with our identity in Jesus Christ and our freedom in him. Father, we need you and we celebrate Jesus. In his name we pray, amen. You can go ahead and have a seat. And as you have a seat, why don't you put your hands together for our kids' Christmas program. Hello, and welcome to Creekside Kids Got Talent. I'm your host, Rick Musket. Tonight, we have assembled some of this church's most amazing talent. Prepare for an amazing time. And as always, voting will be closed until the end of the show. Now today, we have with us our two wonderful judges. Let's say hello to our own house dog, Mr. Hallie Barkson. What's up, dog in the house? Yeah! And joining him today at the judges' table is none other than singer and songwriter, Star Isborn. Thank you, Rick. You are so sweet. I'm on the edge of my seat for this new talent. Well, there you have it. Let's not waste any more nail-biting time and get down to business. Without further ado, I give you a puppet's eye view of the night Jesus was born. All the way from upstairs, please welcome the Creekside Kids. bunch of talented sheep. Not bad at all. What did you think, Mr. Dog? I think that was off the chain. Being a dog, I love sheep. What about you, Star? I thought that was brilliant. The use of animals in singing was simply breathtaking. Well, there you have it. Don't vote yet, though, because no one will answer. Now on to our next act. I've heard it will be quiet a night.
Wow, this group is blowing me away. What do our judges think? I am deeply touched by this number. I only wish I had that kind of talent. Yeah, man, that deserves two bucks. Woo, woo! How can this show get any better? Well, hold on, because it's going to get out your night vision. These kids have something to say. It's called Christmas. Christmas. Shop to get myself a mocha. The lady at the counter said, Happy holidays. I said, Thanks, lady. I am pretty happy, but there's only one holiday that makes me feel that way. And it's called Christmas. What more can I say? It's about the birth of Christ, and you can't take that away. You can call it something else, but that's not what it'll be. It's called Christmas with the God's got a law and we've pretty much destroyed it We're gonna get judged, there's no way to avoid it But Jesus came down to take the punishment for me He did it for you too, so now maybe you can see have talent or what? Any final comments from our judges? Yeah, dog, that is really what Christmas is about. I'm feeling it. I am also feeling it as well. Right here, this has been the best show we have had. I couldn't agree more. I hope everyone out there is watching, watching is ready to cast your vote. It's not as hard as it may sound. Just like the last song, it's about the cross and what Jesus did for you by being a special gift. Don't let one more Christmas go by without accepting that gift and making a decision that can change your life forever. Accept him today. Thank you for watching our Creekside Kids Got Talent show. And join us next time when the pastor jumps the baptismal with his 10 speed. You won't want to miss that. For myself, Rick Musket, Mr. Howley Dog, and of course, Miss Star Isborn. Have a talented night. Man, that was awesome. I, I don't know what they're uh, holding me to here. If I did what they just said, I would break my uh, neck. So, uh, these kids right here, we're going to let them go. Why don't you give them a, a big round of applause one more time. The older class is going to go out. Younger kids, I'll do my best not to put you to sleep right now. That was awesome. Thank you, Connie. Thank you, teachers. Thank you, kids. Again, you guys are awesome. While I fumble over myself up here. Um, Merry Christmas. Yeah, let me say that again. That was kind of a little weak, people. Merry Christmas. Yeah, good job. Like that. I love it. And from this point on in the service, don't worry if your kids are freaking out or anything like that. It's fine. It actually gives life uh, to the service, and it's, pr it's pretty fun. So, anyway, so last week I joked about the fact that I'm, I'm not really sure if I like snow. The truth is I like snow. I just hate the cold. Little known fact about me is I'm allergic to the cold. 
And at least three quarters of you right there just said, yeah, right, that's just an excuse. Um, but no, really, like, doctor's note, allergic to the cold. If the conditions are right outside, um, I will break out in hives. I passed out from it once, truth be known, and, and it's a terrible, terrible thing. So I really have no idea why I live in Iowa, um, except for that um, I love Iowa, ex- except for right now. Um, I love this season, I just don't like the weather. Um, so... I'll do my best just to be in a good mood. Um, but I was talking to uh, my dad the other day, and the first thing I was saying was that if it's going to be like zero degrees out, it might as well snow. The worst possible combination of weather is zero degrees and no snow, like nothing to show for it. It's like, why? This is just why. It's one of those questions I'm going to ask God when I get to heaven. It's, what, what was that for? Didn't serve a purpose. I really I disagreed with that one. But... You know better than I do, uh, so we'll go with it. But I was talking to my dad, and I was saying, Dad, like, I, I really struggle at Christmas time to make a Christmas list, you know, because my mother-in-law gets on it right away. Like, well, actually, my mother-in-law, Debbie, she gets on it, like, uh, the day after Christmas for next year. Um, and so, like, I'm pressured to have this Christmas list. I, I have a hard time thinking of stuff to put on my Christmas list. And so I keep it short. Here it's three things to ensure that I get 100% of what's on my list. That's just a, a good thing. So you will never be upset if you keep it really short. You'll get it all. Um, but I was, re- I was really saying to my dad, hey, dad, it's uh, really all I need on Christmas is to be able to sit down on a couch with a warm cup of coffee in my house, only needing to pay attention to the people in my house for that day. Like no one else needs me that day. Everyone else is doing the same thing. There's, I just... It's the best thing. It's all I really need for Christmas. And then I started thinking of a uh, conversation I had with a woman in the gym this last week, and she was telling me um, about how she regularly, with her company, with her business, goes down and serves homeless people. And, and just the simplicity of looking a homeless person in the eye, serving them, giving them something that they don't have, not only they don't have at Christmas, but they don't have ever, um, and so it, it started getting me to really start thinking about this time of year, like, I really do have it really, really good. Like, if, if all I need to do at Christmas to enjoy it is sit down with a cup of coffee on a couch in my house, and that's good for me, I have it really, really good. But then I started thinking, there is a ton of people that I probably run to on a daily basis, but... Because if I'm not getting in conversations with these people, then I have no idea, but they don't have what I have to be thankful for at Christmas time. Honestly, I mean, we were talking to somebody recently who, um, they're just like, hey, Christmas time is hard for me. It's really hard to be joyful. I mean, I think about family, and it's not that great for me. Um, I think about life and what my life is, and it just is not what I envisioned it being. And so Christmas time is supposed to be this time of hope, right? This time of hope because the, the birth of Jesus, when he was born, gave the people of his time hope. But when we look at the birth of Jesus, the birth of Jesus should give us hope because it leads us to look at what we already know happened, and that was the cross of Jesus. The cross of Jesus gives us hope beyond our circumstances. The cross of Jesus gives us hope beyond our unhappiness 
in a specific circumstance. So what we need to do when we're seeking to occupy our street at Christmas time is first make it personal, right? Is first make the message mine. Like no matter what is going on in my life right now, this is where you need to be right now. Right now, no matter the circumstances of your life, you can have hope beyond those circumstances. I think Christmas is defined really in one word, joy. Because we've talked about before the fact that Christmas, I mean that joy has nothing to do with your circumstances. It has to do with your identity. And when Jesus was born on this planet, he gave hope that that circumstances have nothing to do with. And so isn't that an awesome thing that no matter what is going on in life right now for you, today that's what I want you to know. That's what I want you to feel is that there is hope beyond my circumstances. I might not feel it right now. I may have a hard time being joyful at Christmas, but there is hope beyond your circumstances. And then we pray like crazy that God would give us the boldness to share that hope with the hopeless in our lives that he gives us the boldness to actually start conversations with people, to dig into people's lives and to find out what, what is your hope in or what do you have to be hopeless about? I'm going to tell you about Jesus. So that's how we occupy our street at Christmas time. But today, I just want to speak a short message um, to start out our series, A King from Small Things. So if you're writing anything down, I want you to write this one thing down, okay? Text it to yourself, email it to yourself, whatever you need to do. I want you to write this one thing down. God's power is seen through the unlikely. God's power is seen through the unlikely. If you just don't feel like you have what it takes to do what God has asked you to do, on the simplest of levels, if you just don't feel like you have what it takes to be who God wants you to be, the truth of the matter is he wants to, he takes joy in, he finds favor in using you. God's power is seen through the unlikely. So go ahead and turn to the, the book of Luke, chapter 1. Uh, it's the first, the first three books in the New Testament are Matthew, Mark, then Luke, so it's number three in the New Testament. Uh, you can go ahead and turn there. And we're going to be Luke chapter 1. We're just going to read 12 verses, 26 to 38. Here we go. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed, to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at this saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, 
How will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. So now this is probably going to be the shortest message that I've spoken in a long time. And I know some of you are like, thank God. Um, but at Christmas time, it's super easy to get really wrapped up in the Christmas spirit. Like we can get really excited about gifts, family, ugly sweaters, and good food. I remember when ugly sweaters were actually ugly. Now they're just a thing. So you can get, you can get away with it. Um, but... I, I find it really easy some years, some years are different than others, but I find it really easy to go an entire season, the season of Christmas in this world, uh, go through the whole thing, never thinking really about Jesus, except when I'm in church, right? If we just go about our day to day, it is really easy to get caught up in everything going on. It's really easy to get caught up in good things that distract from the best thing, that distract from Jesus. Right? But another thing that starts to happen at Christmas time is because after Christmas, it's only a week away from the new year, and everybody starts thinking, like, what is my life? What is my life now? Is it what I expected it to be? What do I need to change for the next year? And we start to think about the New Year's resolutions that we'll do for a week in January, right? And at least that's the way it is for me. And so we start to reflect on our life. But I want in the next couple weeks to help you make it personal to think about not only not don't don't think about January necessarily and making all these these grandiose uh, goals for yourself think of right now at Christmas time what does God want from me right now because of the birth of Jesus Christ what can I learn from that how can I make it personal and so for the next few weeks we're going to briefly talk about some characters that are involved in the Christmas story we're going to Look briefly at Mary this week, next week the shepherds, and then Christmas Eve we're going to look at Jesus. But remember, God's power is seen through the unlikely. I'm looking around the room, and I know some people in this room, and I'm thinking that that should be an encouragement to a lot of you. Because I know that there is people in this room who have thought, like, I know God is calling me to something. I know he has put this like holy burden or this holy discontent in my heart. I know he wants something from me. But who in the world am I? Like I am the least likely to be used by God for this thing. But God, God's power is seen through the unlikely. Verse 28 and 29 of what I just read says this. And he, the angel Gabriel, came to Mary and said, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this may be. What was Mary thinking? What was she feeling? In verse 30, it says this, And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And then in the next section, if you look like a couple paragraphs over, it's Mary's song. She writes this song of praise to God. And in verse 46 through 48, she says this, Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord, 
And my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. She was one scared. Because the angel had to tell her, don't be afraid. She was terrified. Like, what is this that you are asking me? And number two, she was humbled in her humility. She understood her humble estate. Like, why me, God? What are you asking of me? This seems impossible. Why would you ever use me, a teenage virgin? Why is this happening? Like, I, I'm not your girl, right? I'm not the one. Later, she comes on to say, yeah, yes, God, like, I know you are asking me to do this. Use me in whatever way. But most of the time, we start off terrified, and we start off not necessarily with true humility. We start off with false humility, saying, I'm not your person. The problem is that we fail to understand that whatever God plans for us, he will equip us to do. That's why he gave us the Holy Spirit, right? I mean, we forget about this. We say, who am I? Like, I am not your person. God, this is impossible for me to carry out. And then he says, but wait, I will be with you. I will help you. It's not on your strength. Yes, you are very unlikely. From, from the guy standing next to you, from the, your next door neighbor, from the person you work with, yes, from her earthly standards, you are like the most unlikely choice. Guess what? That's why I'm going to use you. Because God finds so much favor in using unlikely people for his strategy and for his plan and to, for the biggest part, receive glory for himself. We've talked about that before, that God is ultimately for God, right? And that should give us joy because he is not, his plans are not going to be sidelined. His plans, when he chooses to use you, are not going to be sidelined because God is for God. And if he chooses to use you, just say, okay. In all of your fear, in all of your terror, in all of your doubt of yourself, trust the Holy Spirit in you. God's power is seen through the unlikely. We start to say, I'm not gifted enough for that. I don't know enough for that. I'm afraid of. I only, whatever it may be, who am I? What could I possibly contribute? But get this, verse 30. Do not be afraid. This is the angel talking to Mary. Do not be afraid, for you have found favor with God. If you look at the Greek word for favor there, it's charis, and it actually means this. Favor based on God's grace, not our merit, right? That Mary found favor with God based on what God wanted to do through her because of his grace, not because she was awesome, right? And I think that there's some other people in the room who think they're awesome, right? Some people in the room think you're so awesome, why wouldn't God possibly use me for this assignment? He probably won't if you think you're that awesome, right? Mary looked at herself and she said, who am I? And God said, because you have no idea who you are to do this assignment, because you think it's impossible, you're the person for the job. Because you have decided to, beyond your trust of yourself, trust God to do the impossible, you are the person for this job. In other words, Mary, God wants to use you exactly how you are for his pleasure. God's love empowering weak people 
to do extraordinary things. D.L. Moody was one of the greatest evangelists who ever lived. Anybody ever heard that name, D.L. Moody? Raise your hand if you have. Okay, well, I'm telling you, he was one of the greatest evangelists that ever lived, which means he led thousands of people to Jesus. And a mentor of his told him one time, he said, the world has yet to see what God can do through a man fully surrendered to him. And D.L. Moody's response to him was like, I will be that man. I will be that man. And even as I say that out loud myself, I have doubts in right now. Like, God, I'm feeling what you want me to do in this life, but like, I'm afraid. I doubt my own capability. I doubt, I doubt, I doubt. But if I can say no, I will be that man. And in my weakness, surrender everything that I am to God and let him use me. It wasn't because of Moody's strength. It was because of his surrender to God. If you look all throughout the Bible, the prophet Jeremiah, these are some of my favorite stories in the Bible. The prophet Jeremiah, God gives him his, his assignment and he says, Oh Lord, I do not know how to speak for I am only a youth. And God immediately says, Do not say I am only a youth. Do not be afraid of them for I will deliver you. Gideon, he was threshing wheat in a wine press, was like a trough in the ground, which made no sense because he should have been out in the wind where it blew the chaff away while he was threshing the wheat. But he was down in a wine press threshing wheat because he was afraid of his enemies. So he's this man cowering in a wine press, terrified of his enemies. And this is the first thing the angel of the Lord says to him when he comes to him. He says, oh, mighty warrior. He calls him a mighty warrior. And Gideon's probably like, who are you talking to? Like, I'm in a wine press, afraid of my enemies. Who are you talking to? God says, mighty warrior, and he tells him to go save Israel. And immediately Gideon's like, but God, I am the least in my family. My clan is the least in Israel. I can't do this. And God says, no, go in this strength of yours, because why? I will be with you. God, God's power is seen through the unlikely. Moses God says, go rescue Israel from slavery in Egypt. But God, I am ineloquent and don't speak well. God says, who made your mouth to speak? Who gave you words? Right? He was pointing Moses to say, stop. If I give you something to do, it is never impossible. This is what I want you to do. And you don't ever have to do it on your own strength. I will be with you. I will empower you. I am sending you. She said, Mary, I know you are afraid and young and think this is impossible, but God takes pleasure. He finds favor in using you in and through your humble estate. Because of your inability, God is about to show his ability. God's power is seen through the unlikely. And so the, we think about Mary as Jesus' mother, right? One of the most unlikely characters to be Jesus' mother. Weak, young, afraid, right? But exactly God's plan to bring the king of the universe into the world. In, in, in weeks to come, we're going to talk about some other um, characters involved in 
the Christmas story and see how unlikely some of those characters were, right? But right now, today, as we sit here, Jesus, who was born in a manger, disgusting, stinky, animals all around, animals probably eating hay out of the, out of the little bed that he was sleeping in, right? Jesus is now, right now, seated on his throne. <laughs> Next to his Father in heaven, where he reigns, no matter what we feel, no matter what we think, right now, really what we are celebrating as Christmas time, and I've said this before, is that if Jesus didn't grow up, and if Jesus didn't die for our sins, Christmas doesn't hold that much meaning, Right? So what are we actually celebrating at Christmas time? We're not just we're not only celebrating the birth of Jesus, that was the beginning of our hope. Right? That was part of God's plan. But our hope extends all the way to the cross and beyond that. That Jesus did not stay dead, but he rose from the dead and where is he now? He is in heaven, a king on high, right? From the beginning, he was born to a teenage virgin on the run for her son Jesus' life. Jesus was born in a manger outside with animals. The Bible says he came to serve, not to be served. He had no place to lay his head. He was said to be from Nazareth, where in the Gospels it says what good could ever come out of Nazareth, right? Only to end his life after three years of public ministry, dying a cursed death on a cross. That does not seem like a very glamorous life, right? But from all of the humble, small, obedient things about Jesus' life on earth, they point to one thing, that he is our king. That he is the king that people who have no hope can follow. He is the only name in heaven and on earth that can give hope to the hopeless. Do we get that? Like, are we joyful about that at Christmas time? Because that's what Christmas is all about. Is that in your hopeless, in your helpless, in your sinful estate, Jesus gives hope. That's what Christmas is all about. He is a king from small, humble, but very powerful things. And so right now we're going to take some time to remember Jesus, and we're going to take communion. There's two tables up front. The band, you guys can come back up. And these are the things I want you to think about as we come before Jesus. First, I want you to think about that this is really what Christmas is all about. Yes, Jesus was born at Christmas, but he was born for, for, for one reason. He was born to live and, and die for our sins so that we could not only go to heaven, but while on earth live in absolutely abundant life. And that he has something for each and every one of us to do, but most of us are terrified to do it. And so this Christmas season, as we start thinking about keeping the main thing the main thing, one question that we need to ask is, God, what are you asking me to do? Like, what do you want from me? What have you specifically designed me to be a part of? And don't wait till January 1st to put that into action. Like, if he answers you this morning, put it into action today. But it all starts and ends right here with us remembering who Jesus is. 
Because when we claim the blood of Jesus over our lives, we automatically then get to live in freedom, not in guilt, not in shame, not in fear, but we get to walk in the abundance of life that is only offered through the blood of Jesus. And so as we worship together and we continue to sing, make your way to one of these tables and remember Jesus. Remember that this is what Christmas is really all about. And let's give some hope to some hopeless people on our streets this week. Let's pray together. God, um, we need you and we love you. We thank you, Jesus, that you were obedient. We always say that you were obedient to come and die on the cross. But God, you were obedient from baby all the way to adult. Your entire life, God, the humble circumstances that Jesus was born into. Father, that's not, that has, that's nothing like an earthly king. But God, we are so thankful that Jesus humbled himself to be a servant, to be born in the way he was born, to live the way he lived, and to die the death that he died. Father, we love you and we need you. I pray for every heart in this room, God, that you would reach down, that your spirit would, would comfort and convict our need for Jesus in a hopeless world. You're our only hope. We love you, God, and we need you in Jesus' name.
God, I just pray again in this Christmas season, Father, for the hopeful and the hopeless. Father, I pray that this message of hope would spread far beyond the walls of this church. God, in this season, help us to claim our salvation because we know what Jesus was born for and help us spread that to the world around us, Father. I pray for anybody in this room that today would be the day of salvation if they have not put their faith and trust in Jesus to save them. God, I, I pray that as you seek to use us, we would be empowered by the Spirit. Father, and as we sing this last song together, that our hearts would bless the heart of God. Father, help us to sing this with all that we are, and as we sing and inhabit these praises and change our hearts, Father, we love you and we need you in Jesus' name, amen. Let's sing this last song together.